Welcome to the Blue Cord Podcast. This is a place where everyday Christian women like you get inspired to be authentic witnesses in your daily life so that people who don't know Jesus come to know Him and make Him known. Hey, Blue Cord friend, did you know that women listen to this podcast from almost 50 nations? You might live in a country that has religious freedom, or you might live where it's dangerous or even illegal to share your faith. Wherever you are right now, you are a part of this growing worldwide Blue Cord movement of women who are wholeheartedly seeking the Lord, studying His Word, and trying to get better at declaring His glory among the nations. I'm so glad you're a part of this with me because together we can encourage each other to push back darkness and expand God's kingdom. Well, speaking of expanding God's kingdom, today's guest will remind us why this all matters. She's had to deeply count the cost of following Jesus, and she even had to count the cost this week, came out the other side knowing he is worth it all. She's raising up her kids in a nation where it's dangerous to be a Jesus follower. And I'm so grateful that she's joined us today. I'm not going to tell you her real name, and we're not really going to tell you where she's from. We're just going to call her Kate. So, Kate, welcome. Thank you. Let's start with your growing up years. I am so curious about what you knew about God when you were a kid. Yeah, so my mother always brought us to church, but my dad wasn't a believer. I have this like wild soul. And so in college, God had grace on me and he captured my heart. Thank goodness. Or I'd be in a very different place right now. And my father passed away shortly after that time to college. And he's the motivation that propels me to share the good news of Jesus because I know it's not just for salvation, Mm -hmm. but it's for the here and now. I watched my father live so hopelessly without Jesus especially in the last six years of his life when Mm. he was really ill. And honestly, other than the disease that he had, I think that's what took him so quickly is just because we watched him have no hope. Mm. And so that is what I wanted to share with others. Oh, I'm so glad because right now there is this rampant cloud of hopelessness over our nation, North America right now, certainly. And so You bring up a really important thing. Our role as Jesus followers is to bring the hope of Jesus where people can live it in the here and now. That's right. So let's fast forward. After college, you began working in hedge funds and aviation. So that's quite a combination. So how did you go from that to full-time ministry? Yeah. Good question. So I think God just knows us so well, doesn't he? And he can use all of our giftings and he knows that I love finance and that I love the business world. And so after college, I was pursuing the American dream. I was probably making more money than I should have right out of college with Mm. promising prospects of rising to the top quickly. And because I worked for an aviation company, I was able to fly one of their company airplanes and learn how to do that. And honestly, everything looked good from the outside. American dream. That's right. But on the inside, there was this inner tug within me telling me that there was something more. Mm -hmm. I wasn't fully satisfied. Mm. And so after a series of God-ordained events, some were very painful, God made it clear that I should go to seminary. But that took courage because sometimes God reveals something to you that you should do and then you just don't do it because you're fearful. Yes, because you have to take Greek and Hebrew in seminary. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't do the THM, but yeah, some people do that. I did just the master's. But at that time, I was engaged to be married to a really good guy. But Uh again, he didn't have the same heart uh, for ministry as I did and didn't feel the same calling 
things as I did. So I broke off the engagement. I packed my bags. I loaded up my car and I drove eight hours to Dallas and I cried the entire way. Oh, I bet. (laughs) So many mixed emotions and feelings going on there. But I knew it was what God wanted me to do. It wasn't easy, but Mm -hmm. it did take courage. Yeah. And so then it was in seminary where I met my husband and he was preparing to serve full-time in Africa. He grew up in Africa. He's American. You're equally equally, Yeah. Yeah. It was really amazing. And I didn't know how this ministry and business thing went together. And I just said to my husband, I said, I love business, but I don't know what I can do with that in ministry. And he said, my dad did microfinance overseas for 30 years. Of course, you can do business overseas. This is a great way, especially to get into countries Mm -hmm. that are least reached Mm -hmm. or unreached and hard to access. And that was really encouraging. And so now we're running a business in the desert oasis along the edge of the Sahara Desert with our three young children Mm. sharing the good news with people who've never heard the truth about Jesus. And we are so fulfilled living there. Okay, so as you're saying (laughs) this, I just think about you sitting there in aviation and finance, and then suddenly you're on the edge of the Sahara Desert raising Mm. children. Mm -hmm. And so now you're living in this part of the world that's isolated from other believers, I know. You're alone, and it's a place that's risky to follow Jesus and to share him. There's a whole lot in that transition, I am Mm. sure, that God taught you about counting the cost to follow him. And really, it did feel like a cost at the time because I was sacrificing a potential career in business. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what that was going to look like overseas or if God was even going to fulfill that. Being a stay-at-home wife didn't look as appealing to me at that time. Of course, God has changed my heart and grown it. Mm. And I just said how I feel fulfilled with our work in the desert, but I didn't tell you how I told God that I was not going to move to the desert. Again, through a long series of painful events, God led us to the desert. And I want to talk about the soul here because the desires of the soul are so vast that there's no way that we can possibly know it. What I didn't know at the time was that my soul's desire was to live in the desert. That's how I didn't know myself. Mm. I didn't know that I would be fully satisfied there. Mm. I just looked at the living situation. I looked at how difficult it was. And I said to myself, no way, no way would I raise a family here. No way would I move to the desert. But what is so amazing is that God knows us and he knows our souls so much better than we do. Mm. And when we choose to pick up our cross and follow him in obedience, Mm -hmm. not knowing, when I moved to the desert, I didn't know I was going to love it there. I trusted that I would because that's what he was calling me to do. Then he makes us fully satisfied in him. Okay, so wait, just a second here. I would like to hear the story about when you just absolutely knew that you were going to lay down what you wanted and you knew that you were picking up your cross to follow him. Do you remember that moment or making that decision? I would say it happened over time. It wasn't like a moment that I just absolutely knew. I think it was a series of painful events. We had lived in the northern part of the country where we are, Mm -hmm. not in the desert for four years. And we were running a language business there. And we had our nephews with us Mm -hmm. who we were raising at the time and they were older Mm -hmm. into their teenage years. And so I knew that moving to an isolated place like what my husband wanted to do, Mm -hmm. that's just who he is and his spirit. He wants to go and pioneer. We were already in a least reach place, but he wants Mm -hmm. to go where there's no one. And I knew that wouldn't be possible with the boys. But then something happened that took them away from us like overnight. Mm -hmm. It was quick. And 
there was no goodbyes. And these are like my own children that Mm. I've spent a lot of time raising. And it took me, honestly, over a year to grieve that. And the Lord, just over that year of grief and pain, He said, this is what I want you to do. Now that you don't have your nephews living with you, I am freeing up a space for you to go and for you to go where no one else is. Mm. And so I think just over that series of a year uh, and listening to my husband and where his heart was and where God was leading him and trusting that Mm -hmm. God was leading him, Mm -hmm. because sometimes I think (laughs) I can doubt, are you sure you heard from him correctly? Then submitted to his will Mm -hmm. and obedience. Mm -hmm. I moved down to the desert. I didn't know if I was going to like it. And then I fell in love with it. So, Isn't that amazing? It is amazing. I don't know if you've ever heard of John Piper's term, Christian hedonism. Mm-mm. So this is how he defines Christian hedonism as this idea that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Mm-hmm. If, so let me say that again. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And so he's not going to give us a cross that we're not completely and fully happy and satisfied in. Now, it may not look like that at first, and that's because we don't know the deepest, innermost parts of our soul and what our soul really desires. We think we know. Well, for sure, because we probably don't sit still long enough to listen for what that looks like. We don't sit still long enough, and we also play this mind-tripping video in our mind. Mm -hmm. It could be images. It could be voices. But it's a story that we tell ourselves. Oftentimes, it's lies from Satan. Oftentimes, it's full of our false self. And we play that video so much in our minds that we start to identify mm-hmm. with that video. And so when we look into our soul, we see that video, and we don't even actually see how God's truly created us. Mm-hmm. And so for God to say, I'm going to bring you to a place that you are really created to live in. You just don't know it because you're so distracted and you're listening to the lies of Satan and your false self. And I'm going to make you fully satisfied and happy in that place while you're serving. And I think it's beautiful when we can be in that place. Mm. And I'm thinking about our listener right now, wherever she might live, where I'm just curious and wondering to my listener, I can certainly identify with what you're saying. There was a moment for me where I began to think, wow, I'm really doing this. I'm really following Jesus into a place I never imagined for myself. And yet there's this beckoning, this calling, come and see, come with me, follow me. And it was gradual and it was over time. And all of a sudden, now I look back and think, isn't it interesting that I was this frazzled corporate mom who could barely get two of the same kind of shoes on in the morning in the dark before I took my kids off to daycare. And now on the other side of all of that, living a completely transformed life with that peace that I certainly didn't have back then. Let's take a quick break for me to share some big news. If you've been loving this Blue Cord podcast, then I think you're going to love our Blue Cord Women's Conference coming on September 29th and 30th in Dallas, Texas in 2023. Now that's the last weekend in September, so mark your calendar now so that you can make plans to join us and maybe even come with a carload of friends. More details will be coming soon and we're gonna be needing volunteers to help with that. So if that's something you'd be interested in, just drop me an email 
to Karen, K-A-R-E-N, at ihopeministries.org. Thanks so much. Now back to the program. And so I know each listener, wherever she might be, you're probably pondering yourself, what is this calling I'm sensing right now? And what is God trying to teach me? And how do I still my spirit to just listen? That's right. And it certainly doesn't have to be moving overseas. In no No. way does it have to be something like that. It could just be reaching out to your neighbor today, going to deliver cookies and knock on their door and just introduce yourself. And that could be your cross that God is giving you that day. Absolutely, because we're so busy. And Jesus tells us, love your neighbor as yourself. And we have to make time for that. And so part of bearing our cross is to put aside the things that we want to do so that we can love our neighbor well. And in that process, that might be the exact thing that we're being called to do. Yeah. And I think my point is in that process, that is actually what you want to do. It becomes what you want to do. You feel so much fulfillment and satisfaction and joy from it Mm -hmm. that it's no longer feels like you're carrying a big, heavy cross. It's not a burden anymore. But I think so often we're paralyzed by fear that we never get to this place where we are fully living in our calling Mm -hmm. and carrying our cross. And I think that's where we experience life to the fullest. But it does take that initial courage to be obedient at first. Ooh, such a good word. You are dripping with wisdom here today. (laughs) Just like precious jewels falling off you left and right. So Kate, one of the things that you and I talked about before we began our podcast today was this thought. Let's unpack further this thought about carrying our cross. And I know God's been speaking with you about this a lot lately. What is he telling you? So I've been looking at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 2 through 3, because I always like to go back to, I want to learn from Jesus. How did he do this? Because he gives us specific instructions. And it says in those verses, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. Mm. So how did he do it? What was that joy? He said, for the joy set before him, he was able to endure the cross. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately. What did that joy look like? What was that joy? And I think it was the joy of pleasing his father. Mm. So when I think about this, my kids obey me not because of the rewards they will get if they do something or the punishment they will get if they don't. Actually, we've removed all punishments and rewards in our home for this very reason. Mm -hmm. Instead, my children obey me because they want to please me. Mm. It's from the heart most of the time, (laughs) that they want to please me. They're still sick. But Dallas Willard says in his book, Hearing from God, he says, when we love people, we want to please them. It is our way of being with them, of sharing their life and their person. Mm. So I think about the pleasure that my two-year-old got yesterday, helping me unload the dishwasher, the silverware from the dishwasher, and the expansion of her little self through her immersion in the life of a larger self to which she lovingly abandoned, brings her a gushing pleasure. So Willard says, with their parents, children can do big things that they cannot undertake alone, but they would have no interest in doing these things apart from the parents' interest. This is true. Attention and affection that comes along with the task. 
That's how I can be propelled to carry my cross, no matter how heavy the burden may be. He says, love is designed to be our primary way of being with others. Mm -hmm. So how do we experience this joy in carrying the cross? How do we want to carry the cross? Because we have this relationship between the Trinity and us, and it's a conversation, and Mm. it's mutually fulfilling both of us. Yes. And I don't think you can think about bearing your cross without thinking about eternity. So when I have an eternal perspective, bearing my cross is so much more joy-filled. Amen. Preach it, my friend. Because I know that God is preparing for me a place in heaven that's perfect for my unique and individual soul. Yeah. It's made just for me with all the things that I enjoy, things that I'm not even aware of yet that I will enjoy because he knows my soul Mm. so much better than I do. And it has been a really rough last four months. I'll just share with you personally a little bit of what the Lord is doing. So I've had two miscarriages within the span of the past four months and On top of that, my widowed mother has been diagnosed with a type of breast cancer that won't ever go away completely, we've been told from the doctors, apart from a miracle. We've had to leave our work and our life in the desert and move my family across the world in just one week's notice. But yet, with this cross that God has given me, He's given me a deep sense of peace, what you talked about, that you had. Might I even dare say, midst of this cross that He has given me to bear, Because you see that greater purpose, that greater calling. Yeah, and I want to serve him. It's in my heart. It's Mm. in my deepest desires of my Mm. being and who I am. That's where I find the most fulfillment. But he doesn't give me this cross to bear without giving me what I need to bear it and the love I need from him to sustain it. So when I see him as a God that truly loves and cares for me, It's no longer a burden to bear this cross he has given me. Mm. Just like it's not a burden for my kids to do what I ask them to do if they want to serve me out of a heart of loving me and wanting to please me. So it does give me complete joy and fulfillment. And the suffering and the pain does draw me closer to my Father and helps me to identify with the Jesus on the cross. And it's only there that I can get this really small glimpse of his true beauty because his true beauty is so big, we can't even fathom it. And that draws me in. And I can just sit in that place forever. So just imagine where you are, wherever you are, my Blue Cord listener friend, just sitting in his presence with that kind of joy and uh, that kind of safety and security on his High Rock. Let's just unpack this a bit more because I know you're raising up your kids in a place in the world where it's very dangerous. So what do you wish that you had known when you lived in a nation that had religious freedom versus Hmm. where you are now? Yeah, this is a really relevant question because we just moved back a few months ago for an undetermined amount of time to help my mom walk through chemotherapy with her cancer. And I had to face the decision, do I put them in public school, Christian school? Do I continue to homeschool them in English because they were going to full-on Arabic school when we were in the desert? And so I would homeschool them English at home, and then they would do every subject in Arabic at Mm. Arabic school. And so I went to a Christian school. I visited there, and the head of the school told me that he did not believe that the school was a mission field for children because I really struggled with the thought of them being around no believers ever at all in the community where they live, 99.9% Muslim. And now they're going to be inundated (laughs) 
with Christianity and all Christian friends and great families. And I'm not saying Christian school is not a great option. I just don't know if I agree with what that gentleman said because I went to my daughter's lunch. I have two daughters in elementary school right now. And a couple of weeks ago, I went to lunch with them. And it was really fun because I got to sit with them and their friends. And I spoke Arabic with some of their friends in both class periods. Mm. And one was from Iraq. And her face lit up when I started speaking Arabic with her. And she started speaking it back to me because that's all they speak in her home. And then now she speaks it with my daughter. And when I was in my older daughter's class lunch period, there was a little girl in the class who was born in the States, but her family's from a country very near to where we serve. And she goes to mosque four times a week to study Arabic. Wow. And the Quran. And so now my daughter is able to speak with her in Arabic and help her with her Arabic studies and her reading and writing. So I think to answer your question, had I not lived overseas and experienced what I've experienced, because I do feel like every time we send our kids off to school in Arabic when we're in Africa, I pray over them. I pray protection over them because I know that they're going to be taking Quranic class at school because that's what they do in the public school there. And I pray a hedge of protection over them. But I also know that they are as cold as my husband and I are Mm. to Africa. And they're as called here to the States. They're called to the school that they're in. They're called to share the good news and the light of Jesus in place. And so we picked the public school, as (laughs) I already gave it away, so that they could be lights. And I know sometimes as parents, I don't know, are we putting our kids in private school more for our own comfort Mm -hmm. or for them? And I think it just takes a great amount of faith And I understand the situation in the school districts are so different depending on where you live. And it's very different than when I was growing up. And the challenges that our kids have to face are so different than what we faced. Yes. So there's no easy solution here. I'm not saying that public versus private school is. I'm just saying this is what the Lord is showing me, that this is their mission field. They are called just as much as we are. And I don't know if I would have been so brave before And now the answer is just clear to me, of course, like we're going to send them to public schools so they can have friends that they actually can relate with and understand. And Mm. they're not, they don't shy away from people of different faiths. They embrace it Mm. and then they find the commonalities in it and we talk about it. How can we walk with our friends no Mm. matter what they believe and how they believe and how can we be a light of Jesus and what does it mean to carry our cross? We do that. We talked about that just a few weeks ago in our Bible study before I sent them. And then I send them off to school. (laughs) So they're carrying crosses too. (laughs) So good. You know what? Yesterday, I heard a testimony from a friend who was a former Muslim, and he first heard the gospel by a childhood friend Mm. in elementary school. He was Muslim from a good Muslim background, and his Christian friend shared the gospel with him in elementary school. And They were best friends for decades. He said, I always drawn to my Christian friend and I never really understood why. And then they moved apart and he had an opportunity to go visit his friend again. And he was a little older this time. He was like in middle school, almost high school. And he realized when he walked in the door, there was a cross and he said, oh, wow, you're a Christian and I can't stay the night here. I'm Muslim. And his friend said, come on in anyway. And during that sleepover, that middle school sleepover, his friend gave him a Bible. 
And that set him on a journey to Jesus. And so our kids can be remarkable bearers of salt and light, no matter where the Lord places them in their calling. That's right. And with God bringing the nations here to us, it makes it so easy and so doable. But again, it's going to take that initial courage to be obedient to what he's calling you. And do we trust him? That's right. Do we trust him with our kids? So good. Anything else on your heart, Kate, that you want to share? So I just want to share one remarkable lady with you. She's passed away now. Her name is Lilius Trotter. She was a missionary to Algeria. I love her. <laughs> you like love her? her. <laughs> Google search this friend. Google yeah. search her. So a hundred years ago, she comes from a wealthy family in England and she was a great artist and she had prospects of becoming one of the best artists in England. But she gave that all up to go and to serve in Algeria and she loved the desert. And so when I think about this carrying the cross, I think about sometimes how our theology of suffering is weak and fragile. And when I read her journal entries, she speaks of drinking in the spirit of God's joy and how the flowers speak of the gladness of the heart of God and how each flower is different, just like each of our souls are different. And when I think about the desert, I don't often think about the flowers of the desert. That's not where my mind goes. I think about the barrenness of it. But perhaps the beauty of the flowers that Lilius ingested was all the more powerful in the desert in sharp contrast to the barren land. And I just want to read this one quote from her because a quote that I really love and it's really spoken to me. This is what she says. We begin to learn what is to walk by faith when we learn to spread out all that is against us, all our physical weakness, loss of mental power, spiritual inability, as sails to the wind and expect them to be vehicles for the power of Christ to rest upon us. It is so simple and so self-evident, but so long in the learning. Mm. So good. So good. What a beautiful ending of our time together. Thanks for joining me and sharing what you're learning about picking up your cross and following Jesus. You've surely given us a lot to think about. I think I'm going to go back and listen to this episode again and again. And you've also inspired more courage within me just to take risks, knowing that I'm risking nothing (laughs) with Jesus when Mm. I'm following him. That's right. Thank you, Karen. Thank you for what you do Mm. and for following him and doing this podcast with Mm. courage. So I'm going to hold some time right now for you just to reflect, ask yourself some questions based on what you heard from Kate here today. Have you been wrestling with God over following him? And if so, what is that area that you're wrestling with? And how has Kate encouraged you to pick up your own cross and follow Jesus today? What do you think the Holy Spirit is prompting you to think about or maybe do differently based on what you just heard Kate share just now? And who do you know who needs to hear this very message? Don't forget to share it and to rate this wherever you listen to podcasts. That's it for today. Talk with you again next week. Bye. Thanks for joining me. I'd love to know more about you and how this podcast is serving you. Make sure to sign up to get our weekly emails on the website at thebluecord.org. Then when you get an email from me, you can jot me back a note. If you're enjoying the Blue Cord podcast or the book, would you post an online review so that others know what to expect? 
That would mean a lot. Thanks so much. Have a great week.